Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Human Leader Podcast. And in this time of pandemic, I am really excited to introduce you to a, a colleague of mine uh, who is a specialist in burnout and stress, uh, Sean Waters. Sean is a practicing stress specialist practitioner and he is an administrator in logotherapy and he trains uh, people in logotherapy but he's also the founder and director of the stressless clinic and i'm going to let him tell you more about it he is passionate about about helping people move beyond stress finding the simplest ways to move forward into the life and purpose that they were created to be. Sean, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much. It's Thanks for the invitation. It's great being here. Thank you, Colleen. Now, Sean, tell me a little bit about yourself because you are a practitioner. You have a business called Stressless Clinic um, and you've written a book. So there's so many facets about who you are. Just let us know a little bit about who you are. So who I am is I love life and I'm passionate about life. Um, and one of the things that I'm passionate about is to help other people to see that there's meaning and purpose in their lives the same way as I discovered meaning and purpose in my life. Um, I've obviously uh, been through good times and I've been through bad times. And I try and remember the positive and the good things about what has happened. And when I was in uh, business organizations, I saw how stressed out people were in business and how they sometimes even burn out uh, based on stressful events. And um, it seems as if there's so much theory out there about stress uh, that I decided to look at it more from a practical point of view. So if we go back to uh, how stress started and the phenomenon of the stress, it has wonderful theories. But in today's world, uh, theory is uh, is where we all have to learn and have to know. But when it comes to practicalities, we have to be simple and simple-minded because simplicity mm. actually helps us in terms of where we're going and what we do. So what I do is I practice what I call the new science of stress. The new science of stress was simple, relevant, simple things to do about one's stresses in life. And there are so many stresses. And hence, based on that, I decided to found the Stressless Clinic, which is now also registered. And um, that's how it's really started. Um, I decided to become a specialist uh, in stress, in psychological stress, but it also stems to physiological, uh, physiological as well as emotional and behavioral. So all of those factors are very, very important, and hence here we are today. I really like what you say about... Um finding meaning and purpose in life and, and finding those simple practical things that can allow people to just deal with their stress um, and to not let their stress overwhelm them. Uh, because I'm sure you find in many cases, you've met so many people where stress has overwhelmed their lives. Absolutely. Uh, overwhelming is, is a really, how can I say, it's a powerful word of overwhelming. And people often say to me, so I see, can you help me with your stress? And I said, no, I cannot help you with your stress. You know your stress, but I can guide and help mm -hmm. you to find out where your stresses are. So everybody has mm -hmm. their own element of stress, 
Now, we need stress in our lives, but it's the balance of stress which is so very important. Now, you've done a lot of work with um, medical professionals, healthcare professionals as well, um, who I think everyone understands that they are a a group of professionals that is very stressed, but I don't think people realize how burnt out healthcare professionals are. Absolutely. You know, um, when I first started in, uh, with healthcare professionals, we actually did some psychometric tests. And this test that we did was a whole host of benchmarking uh, questions related to are they stressed or are they burnt out and to what extent. And interestingly enough, we came back with a statistic that 65% of healthcare professionals are in fact stressed. But sure. the balance, in fact, are burnt out. And mm. that's even more alarming. So it, it's gone beyond just helping them with stress. It's gone uh, to the stage of helping them to deal with burnout. But that is the nature of their particular job. So we also have to put it into context. And we normally find that the kind of people that are in that profession are actually geared for burnout in a way mm. because they live in a stressful environment, they work in a stressful environment, and um, it's, it's part of the job at the end of the day. But is one big A, and that's attitude towards how they deal with their stress and how they mitigate it if they need to and balance their stress. Right. And, and can you tell me a little bit about um, how, how you've seen um, the results of interventions in that, of supporting people when they, um, even though they work in stressful environments and they're people who generally can handle that, but when you are burnt out, um, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, I can. Um, so when I first started, I, I then basically looked at doing um, one-on-one -on -one interventions with them um, on a, a normal counseling kind of platform. What I mm -hmm. was then found that I had the privilege and honor to actually sit and watch them and observe them whilst they're working and do what they need to do. And I found that by observing and looking at what they were doing, I was able to come back in the one-to-one -one session and actually, uh, what's the word, we can say communicate dialogue uh, in terms of what I had observed and what they were feeling. Mm. You know that sometimes I even found that, that people in an environment actually use their accent actually changes when they speak to a, a specific group of people. Um, things like that, which they don't even notice. Um, I watch their, their demeanor. I watch their, where they're caring, where they're not caring, where they're looking after themselves. And so many aspects and observation in literally five minutes, it tells you so much more. And it helps you to engage and assist them uh, directly and confront specific aspects or elements because they are people that don't really like to talk um, mm. about what is going on with them. They, they are pretty closed um, and they hold a lot at, in their chest. But once you start discovering them and letting them open up and you ask them the questions, this really helped me in terms of uh, interventional qu um, uh, questions with them. Um, also, during these interventional sessions, I was able to guide them in terms of if I felt they were too stressed or burnt out. It became more of a, a conversation um, of giving them pointers. Of, mm -hmm. of helping them to discover themselves and to discover where they, they found a lot of stress. And I also found, interestingly enough, that in terms of gender, I also found that there was quite a, a substantial difference where I found that the, the female doctor would talk more about what was going on in, in her life. And interestingly enough, 
when she was working during the day, she was 100% focused. And when she went home, she was 100% focused with, with herself or her family. Whereas the male held back a lot. He was kind of all over the place. He couldn't put up boundaries. Whereas a female was easier uh, to put up boundaries. So that's kind of how, how I started this. But observation for me is, is key. And I prefer to go to a client or go to a patient as opposed to them coming to me. Mm -hmm. So you can really observe and see. I mean, that is really interesting. Thank you for sharing that with us. And yet I, I'm sure you're finding, well, are you finding that there's a shift now that we are in the middle of a pandemic, a global pandemic, um, in which people have no control? What is it that you are observing now? What I'm observing now is that people are what we call fearing the fear of the unknown. They are uncertain. They are not confident anymore. They've lost their confidence. They've lost their self-esteem. They are rudderless, unfortunately, at the moment. And that goes for most people. And um, I think the biggest fear is the fear of seeing what is going on with the hype of the media. You know, mm -hmm. if we look at media platforms, visual media platforms, they have this little uh, corona uh, guy floating around. Um, it's with the latest, the COVID news. And that is all so negative. You know, we know that it's there. But do we have mm -hmm. to always be reminded? And does it always have to be in our face? And mm -hmm. that relates to the fear of missing out. We basically, our brains uh, are, are wired for negativity. Because in the, in the early stages of the brain's information processing, there's a basis that they had to be there for survival. But now mm -hmm. society has this fear of FOMO, fear of missing out, which is a so we are social beings and we want to know what's going on with each other. And uh, mm -hmm. that is what it's all about. But unfortunately, I feel that the media and the hype are just so negative. And, you know, one needs to look at the media and what I would have been telling people to do is to try and really allocate only 15 minutes a day to look at the statistics of what is going on and hear what is going on. And there's one simple statistic you need to look at, digest and walk away with them. That is the recovery aspect. Look at the percentage of recoveries from COVID. So mm -hmm. if we look at the recoveries today, we're sitting at around a 48% recovery. Now that mm -hmm. is what we want to hear. We don't want to know uh, with respect, it's not nice that people die, but people will die, unfortunately, um, mm. and people will get sick, unfortunately. But for me, the recovery is the most positive aspect that we should be focusing on. Mm, I like what you're saying. And I think uh, we all know that COVID is, is not going to be here forever, but there has been a real footprint um, in every business and especially in healthcare. How do you think... Um, how do you think this fear of, of missing out um, and the fear of the unknown is affecting human beings' ability to be resilient, to get through this time? Um, yeah, I, I think that the brain has what we call the negative bias. So the brain is, in fact, wired for negativity to the extent that it even has a sense that it even has a, a stress, the stress response of fight, flight, or freeze. So the brain is actually lazy when it comes to mm -hmm. wanting to, to think about positivity. The brain mm -hmm. loves negativity. And, of course, it, it outsources the stress response to look, to, to look after it. So it has all of these wonderful mechanisms, uh, mechanisms to do it. And that's why the negative bias is so strong in the brain. 
And the brain remembers traumatic or negative events more than it actually remembers or would like to remember positive events. So this particular pandemic, pandemic which I call the panic-demic, um, is actually a basis of panic will rise long above and whatever one has in terms of positivity. So that is why the brain is so fixated on holding onto the negative. You know, also people are self-isolating and they hear, oh my goodness, somebody has just got COVID. Oh my goodness, how did they get it? Where did they get it? What are they going to do? And all of the repercussions. So the brain is really going into this, this fast-forward mode of, of trying to understand and, and trying to process all the negativity. But in the brain, it just goes ahead. And of course, positivity uh, just remains out of play. So that is the reason why now the brains are absolutely loving that. But the biggest problem is social isolation. So social mm -hmm. isolation means that the brain now can't socialize with those particular missing outs. So people then go to social media, uh, people then dramatize and dramatize whatever they can to try and form a, so a social uh, distancing, but in a, a way of becoming positive. So it's really difficult for the brain now to try and know any positivity in its life. Um, and that's why we have to have an attitude towards how we can change things. If we have a, an attitude and we, re, and we refocus on our values and what we stand for, um, and we look at our strengths, that will help us to get out of this, this magnet of negativity. I, I, I like what you're saying because it makes so much sense that, you know, all this fake news and the hoax and the, um, it, our brains almost find it so addictive. You can almost um, not stop listening. It's almost watching a train crash uh, as it happens. We, we can't look away. And yet um, what you're saying is very powerful of it's important to start looking at positivity and looking at positive aspects to try and get out of that cycle. How do you think leaders are able to assist the people in their teams to step away from that negativity um, and that panic cycle and create more of an empathetic uh, but positive environment? I think it's going back to basics. I think what the leader, leaders first have to do is they have to sit around and analyze what is their mission and vision statement. How did they get there? What do they want and where are they going? So it's mm -hmm. a revisiting and clarification of, of the mission vision statement. And once they're satisfied with that and where they're going, that is just so very important. And I think also probably the reestablishment of their values, of the business values, and of course, the USP, the unique selling proposition. What is there? Why are they so good? What is unique about their particular business? They can then call in their teams and they can then say they're their teams, teams. We're starting today with our vision and vision, mission and statement. And this is how we're and what we're going to be doing. And they then should say to their teams, you know, each of you are unique in what you do for us in the team. You each have unique particular skills. And collectively, we need you all to be part of the team. And every one of you is so important to the team. And get the team to buy in again to the mission and vision statement. And that's all people want. People want simply to know that they are liked, and maybe a, a very soft word, but they like to be liked. They like mm. to be acknowledged. They like to just know that they're part of the team.
and that they, they are so valuable in part of the team. So if we take a receptionist in a healthcare environment, how important is that receptionist? That receptionist is the first face that people see and, the first, and probably the last face that people see. And that reception is so important just to be there and say, good morning, good afternoon, with a slight or a little bit of a more or a smile. We are in tragic circumstances, but believe you me, if you just see not a happy face, but an empathetic face, that will help us so much and go such a long way. Mm, yeah. Uh, I think we are, everybody is struggling to how do you move forward from this? How do you recover from this? Uh, and and it's right, it comes back to that social isolation and our our need for the collective. Um, human beings were created for community, not for isolation. What what advice would you would you give to leaders um, of how to start preparing to recover? Would you advise them to wait a while? Um, how would you advise them dealing with obviously burnt out people um, right now? We always ask that question, but we need to come back to the basics. So the person that we speak to and the person that I like to speak to and say to them, guys, the very first thing is that we, we have oxygen. We need to breathe. And our brain also needs to breathe. And I always talk about brain breathing. And if we calm our minds and we calm our brain, we'll be in a lot better way to process or make a particular statement of, of mindfulness through meditation and repeat it. And this is what we don't do. Don't do simple things like that. Just breathing, just closing your eyes, just holding on. Um, you know, it's like pushing the panic button. You push the panic button, but let's reverse it and say, this is the button, the pause button instead, and that will really help. So if we, comp uh, comp uh, if we do this in a 24-hour cycle, in other words, repeating and exercise is the best medication for treating psychological, physiological, emotional and behavioral disabilities is exercise. Because exercise just opens up your brain, your mind, every part of your senses. Your senses are so important in every single aspect of a recovery because it makes everything must be in sync. We must be able to smell correctly, see correctly, hear correctly, touch correctly, because all of that is in sync with what happens in our bodies and in our minds. So that is one of the resilience factors. And of course, my A, the attitude. And the other two, the other two which are accept and acknowledge, accept that corona is here, accept and understand that it's here, acknowledge it, and then move on. What we're not doing is we're not actually just putting our feet on the ground. And why do we have to put our, in putting our feet on the ground literally is take off your shoes. Take off your shoes, go on some grass and stand there and just say, who am I? Well, this too shall pass. And those mm -hmm. are just simple things to do. There's no magic theory of, of recovery. Uh, there's these simple things that we just need to do to just bring ourselves back inside of ourselves. Oh, I love how you bring it back to the simple. Because I think we always, uh, perhaps it's aligned with our, our need for negativity, that we have to have a miracle pill or a, a different formula in which to do things but if we just remember that as human beings we are physiological and psychological and spiritual and chemical um, and our bodies respond in a certain way we can 
we can actually work with our bodies to to get rid of stress and to build resilience. Uh, thank you for that wisdom. Now, it is a pleasure. A, <laughs> thank you. Uh, tell me a little <laughs> bit about your book. <clears throat> um, so when I was um, studying, um, I decided that I needed to do a thesis based on stress. And I thought, well, you know, we have all the – these wonderful ideas about how we can do stress and what we need to do. But as everybody really put together, how we help people in the technological age with technological stress. So technological stress is actually made up of two aspects uh, generically. The one is what we call techno stress and the other one is what we call techno addiction. Um, I think we can talk about addiction uh, in many, many aspects. So techno addiction also includes uh, playing the stock market. So, we say to people or guys say in business, well, I'm just playing the stock market, but that's actually an addiction because it relates to all of these forms of the worry cycle. So -hmm. the worry cycle causes addiction, the same as uh, FOMO causes addiction. So FOMO is very much a part of addiction. And techno stress is basically related to technological stressors. And, And then I said, well, we've got that. That's great. But how can we help people to overcome that? And then I then put together the word of techno-psychotherapy. And techno-psychotherapy is simply uh, psychotherapy related to technology. And that is basically to go through the various aspects of healing, of how to overcome uh, techno-stresses and how to overcome addictions. And uh, based on that, I did quite a lot of research. In fact, I spent almost four years doing research around the world with so many and fantastic researchers and even some here in South Africa on the basis of how can I help you to actually overcome or balance your techno stresses. And uh, it even went to the point of that techno stress and technology stresses are actually fantastic to have. And thank goodness for technology today. You know, if we take the the elderly, for example, you know, it's wonderful for them to have Facebook. They can see their grandchildren. They can see their children. They see the activities about what's going on. You know, for people with disabilities, we even have Paro, the seal, um, who can be hugged and held and spoken to. We have Siri, who we can talk to. Um, there are all of these wonderful things. We have uh, chatbots, which we can do. And those are all wonderful things to have. So how wonderful is technology today that helps us in so many aspects. And I would not have been able to do that research in four years. It probably would have taken me at least 10 years to do my research in this field. But one, but thank you to, for technology, I was then able to do what I needed to do. So that inspired me to, to write my book um, in, into three chapters, but culminating in how we can actually balance our techno stress and look at our techno stresses. Wow, that is very interesting. It sounds interesting, uh, especially as, as you say, Imagine if we didn't have the technology, but I know that I have a teenage son who I can see is addicted, and that's a whole other conversation and a whole other podcast. Um, so tell me, Sean, what is next for you, for your practice? Um, I, I heard a rumor that uh, you were going to be co-hosting a, um, a burnout retreat or wellness retreat for healthcare professionals um, at some point. Yes, uh, that was going to happen, and unfortunately, uh, it didn't happen due to COVID. Um, but I believe it's still going to happen, and very much so. 
uh, because my passion lies in helping healthcare professionals with burnout, especially because that's my field of, I can say, current expertise and one I enjoy the most. Um, so, yes, that's, that is going to be there. Um, I've always been interested in, in burnout, and I've also been interested in PTSD as a result of burnout. So all of those are going to still happen. Um, we're hoping, uh, my partner and I, that this will happen. And uh, that should be hopefully by the end of the year. But in the meantime, uh, we're very much aware of what is happening to help people uh, to deal with burnout uh, in, in every single aspect, but more so uh, with professionals. So healthcare professionals is one thing. So uh, medical health care uh, professionals, dentists, as well as uh, the law fraternity, um, who also go through enormous uh, aspects of burnout and unfortunately even sometimes suicide. Um, mm -hmm. So it's a very serious subject. Um, it's a very serious phenomenon that actually happens. And people that recover from burnout generally can take up to four years before they actually fully recover. Thank you for bringing that up because I think for many people, they don't really understand the depth of burnout on relationships, on the person and, and on suicide rates. Um, which if people had help may not have been there. And I think that's a very, uh, that's a very big field, um, which people are not yet taking very seriously. Would you like to take a few minutes just to talk around that for a short while? Yeah. Okay. So uh, suicide is obviously what is the worst case scenario. Um, the next one up, of course, is substance abuse. Burnout is something that, that really needs to be looked at really, really seriously and understood. And even the person who has uh, elevated levels of stress doesn't even realize that they're crossing over, if I may, um, into the uh, stressful situation. Um, I think especially in healthcare professionals where we have something which we call compassion fatigue, um, which actually is are the early signs of, of burnout, um, where they simply don't listen to what their patients have to say um, or they ignore certain aspects of it. They have absolutely no empathy left. They've got no energy left. They're totally depleted in every single aspect of, of their lives. Um, so I think in terms of burnout, it's something that is really, really uh, difficult to understand. And unfortunately, to, in today's world, um, our teenage suicide rates have also grown um, exponentially. Also on the basis that in terms of, of, of peers and peer pressure in society, um, and my fears also in terms of, of social isolation as well is very unhealthy for the youth, for one. And uh, I'm very, very worried that elements of substance abuse and even prescribed drugs taking that just to ease the pain um, is ultimately will, will lead to, to burnout and even PTSD. And especially with what I call the, the current pandemic, um, it's going to have long-lasting effects, just as the 9-11 had long-lasting effects even after mm. that. Wow. I think the world was so stressful uh, before 2020, and in 2020, it's stress on steroids. Uh, so thank you very much for, for coming onto this podcast and sharing some of your wisdom and knowledge with us. If somebody is listening and would like to get hold of you, how can they get hold of you? What's the best way? The best way is I always like to talk. <laughs> so they can call me on my mobile being 083-783-2949. I'm, of course, am on WhatsApp. And I would like them to WhatsApp video me when they do call me. 
or they can visit me on my website at www.stresslessclinic.co.za or they can email me, which I also enjoy, is sean, S-E-A-N, at stresslessclinic, one word, .co.za. Thank you so much, Sean. And before we go, um, is there anything else you'd like to say to, to the listeners? Um, at this point in time, we have unfortunately reached the psychological um, pandemic as well. And we've just got to hold on to what we already have. Be thankful for what we already have and just know that this too shall pass. And all we have to do is to breathe. And if we breathe and we just hold our breath for a couple of minutes uh, or seconds and just breathe out and just actually change our attitude towards where we are and actually try and pull away from the magnet and let the magnet pull you towards something positive. Oh, thank you so much for reminding us to breathe and the importance of finding the meaning and purpose in life and to have a good attitude in this time. Sean, it's always a pleasure to chat to you. Thank you for coming on to the podcast and teaching us. Thank you so much for the invitation. And uh, I'm always open and I, I love to help people. So please feel free to contact me. I love sharing anything that I can to help. Thank you. Thank you for joining me as we venture into a new reality, a new normal, in a way of how do we bring people, human beings, into a recovery phase in which they can grow deeper in themselves and their own identity so they can step forward with courage and innovation and be able to embrace the opportunities that are presented in this new world. In this new season, I will be looking at resources that you will be able to use as a human leader to be able to not just build yourself and your resilience, bringing you hope, but also to build the people around you so that together as a collective, we're able to move forward and build a new reality within the world globally. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you and we look forward to interacting with you.